Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Grab your uh, donut or coffee or whatever you brought in. Uh, Grab your Bibles as well. So we're pretty pretty excited about Good Friday. I'm especially excited. It's going to be a time, I mean, Easter is going to be, but for Good Friday, it's going to be very experiential. So plan on coming. You won't have to speak, but you will be moving and participating. And it's, we've set it up also that if you have children, I would think fourth and fifth grade and up would be fine. They can go to the stations, and they wouldn't even need you to take them. So I just want to make sure you understand what's happening. It's a little bit tricky for our family because uh, it is my son Zeke's birthday on Good Friday, and we were in the back, and he looked at me and goes, you know, I just realized Jesus is kind of going to overshadow me on my, on my birthday. <laughs> he says, I, I really don't know how I feel about that. I'm pretty sure he's trying to be funny, but um, I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that, to invite people. It, it's... It's going to be a powerful time. So at the casino down in San Clemente. Um, I want to start by making a clear delineation between males and females. If you ask a female if she has a best friend, oh, she's got a best friend. Now, I know you think best means singular, but it isn't. But with males, they kind of have like a crew and you never really know and guys don't really talk about it that much. But when I was in high school... Um, I had a best friend. It was very clear. I met him in typing class. Uh, his name was Mitch. We used to have typing class. And I think our kids, this is a little side note, I think our kids need to take it, your kids, my kids, because um, they, don't, they only know how to do this. They're very poor typers. But we had to take a typing class. And so there was this guy there, and I was new to the school. We had just moved, and we always moved. And so we moved, and I got there. It was my junior year. And I met him, and from then on, there was a tightness and a friendship. I saw him every single day. Every single day we met together. In fact, um, we could both drive, but we'd make sure we parked in the same spot in the lot. Kearney High School, San Diego. And I remember, he, so he was Mormon, hardcore Mormon. We'll get into that in a second. But um, I went to all the Mormon dances. And because um, there's a dance and there's all these girls, but it was Mitch and I, and it's his church. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And he'd do his little white man dance, you know, like this. And, but girls just loved the guy because he had such this joy that would just come out of him. It was like a, a deep, deep, deep joy that Mitch had. Um, we, we decided to lifeguard together at the pool. And so we were at the YMCA down in San Diego, and he would be out there on the deck, and he would oil himself up with baby oil. I'd never even heard of that before. So I surfed. I was like, what are you doing? He was all in the tan and working out, walking around everywhere without a shirt on, um, very fit. He was all into push-ups. So we would have these memories. I remember one night, um, it was good to have a friend that would do all the dumb things I wanted to do. So we were closing the pool down, and you have to bring this, this huge tarp over the pool. And I'm like, Mitch, 
you know, dude, oh yeah we do. So at night we were just racing across it on top of the tarp to see how far we could go. I'm pretty sure the tarp costs like $30,000, but we're kids, we're high schoolers, we don't think about that. Um, we, our lives ended up going in different directions. We were still good friends, but uh, he went on his mission, and uh, then he ended up in Chile, and then when he came back, he went up to Utah, and so he lived in Utah. Um, we connected back, you know, in and out, and um, he called me one time and said, you know what, uh, I went and talked to the prophet, I went and talked to the other people, that's, those are the leaders in the Mormon church, because he was really, really, really high up in the Mormon church. Um, you probably should see who he looks like. I mean, I got to show you, right? So this is Mitch. Everybody's pointing at him. See the guy with a really cool 80s jacket? That's me. And so we're pointing at Mitch, and you'll see his dad. You'll see, see his dad holding up the Book of Mormon. Every single picture his dad was ever in. I wish I could pull them all out, but this isn't about his dad. He'd have the Book of Mormon up every time. Hey, cheese, hold on. And he'd pull the book up. So that was his birthday. So, Eric, should I move forward? Should I move back? Should we turn those to the side? Okay, I'll move back a little bit. Um, he moved to Utah. He got wealthy because he wanted to move up in the Mormon church. So he had a bunch of pictures like this. This is him. And this is my favorite one. I mean, he has a ton of people if I put him up. He was with Gorbachev and some other people. So this is with Chuck. I don't know if you know who Chuck is, but you should. And so he called me, um, and he said... Hey, I, I've checked in with the prophet, I've checked with him, and they're not answering the questions I want answered. So he made a decision to leave the Mormon church, which was hardcore. He had his wife and his kids, and his wife left him because he left the Mormon church. And um, things didn't go the way he expected them to go. But he, they couldn't answer questions that he had, and so he made a decision to become um, a Christian and not Mormon. Um, but things started to make some other turns. Shortly after my transplant, I got a, a phone call from one of my good friends from high school, and he said, Mitch is dead. And it was just after my transplant, he had just made a decision to follow Christ um, and to simplify his life, and then we can't hang out. We can't do the things that we dreamed about doing when we were in high school, do, going on trips and our kids, and I had an expectation. But I did not expect that. Have you ever had a moment like that? Like, I'm asking that question, but I'm not really asking that question, because you've all had it, right? Where you expected something to go a certain way, and it didn't go that way. You're like, I expected this, and I got this. Wait, because we have these plans, we have these ideas of the way things are supposed to go. Um, maybe it's your childhood. My, my childhood should have gone this way, but instead it went this way. Maybe it's your job. Wait. I'm supposed to have this job. Why am I not in that job? Or I have this job and now I don't have this job. Or I'm in this job but I hate my job. This isn't what I was born to do. I want to do something else. I expected to be doing this and now I'm here. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's, maybe it's the difficult things and the suffering you're going through. Because we expect something and when we don't get it, there's something that, that triggers inside of us. And, and a lot of us become disillusioned. And we can sometimes become disillusioned with God. God, shouldn't you be doing things this way? If my life is doing this and these things are happening, shouldn't you step in? Did you make this happen? Are you allowing this to happen? 
aren't you supposed to fix this? Because my expectation is supposed to be this way, and you're not providing that. That is a normal response. But I want us to step back, and I want to start with a fresh eyes and ask God about expectations. And this is nothing new. What we're talking about has been going on, well, since the time of Jesus. We've been talking about the resurrection. We've been talking about if there is no resurrection, then there's no Christianity. And there's these two men. Well, actually, we, we know one of them is a man. One's Cleopas. And it says there's another person. And everybody always assumes that it's a man. But most likely, it was his wife. We won't get into details of it. But this is the day the day that the women go to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body for burial, for, you know, and they go to the tomb and he's not there. And so they race back and they tell all the disciples, including Cleopas and a bunch of other disciples, probably his wife as well. And so these women race back and go, this is what happened. We've gone to the tomb. We saw an angel and the angel said that he's risen. He said, look, he told you he was going to rise again. Why are you looking for a body? Why are you expecting a body? It ain't here. But yet none of them could really believe. They heard it from the women, but they didn't want to believe it, or they couldn't believe it, or just so beyond their expectations that they couldn't fall in line with that. And so then think about what that was like. So for Cleopas and his wife or his friend or whoever it was, the two of them, what would you do? What have you done when your expectation doesn't meet reality? You've got to get away, right? you got to just kind of pull away from the situation. So, that's what they do. That same day, the two of them, the same day meaning the day that the women came, the day they went to the tomb, the third day on Easter, the two of them go to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They had no plans at Emmaus. It wasn't like, oh, hey, today would be a good day. It, everything that's happened has thrown them off, and so they just start walking. Seven miles to nowhere. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them. They didn't know. They didn't know his name. So they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. That's how I was the day that I got the phone call. It was actually on my wife's birthday that I got the call that Mitch had passed away. And there's all this confusion surrounding his death. And I, and I was gloomy. I was morose. I was everything that this word downcast means. I was disappointed. I was let down. I was depressed. Depression is the gap between expectation and reality. And these two guys are deep in it. Some of your Bibles may even say the word gloomy. Some may say um, sad. That's what it means. And so they're walking, and Jesus walks up alongside them, but to them it's just some stranger, and he walks up, and he says, what's going on? And they're just, they're just down. They're bummed. All their dreams just shattered and fell to the ground. And so he goes on to tell them. They go on to say, hey, there's some things going on. Are you not from here? Do you not know what's happening here in Jerusalem? And so Jesus says, what things? Now, is it because Jesus doesn't know? Again, anytime God asks a question, it's not like he doesn't know the answer. 
So Jesus is saying what things because he wants them to put this all out on the table. Why are you so downcast? What is going on with you? And so they say, well, it's about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers, our pastors, handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. Again, you could just see them going, oh, they could just picture him. Wait, he was, he was supposed to change everything, and now like they could just picture him on the cross on Good Friday. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, what they meant by that is we expected, we had a plan that he was going to change the government. That he was going to change it, not just redeem Israel and bring everybody back to him, although that was part of it. But it's really like, you know, the Romans are here and we thought this was the guy. We thought this was the person that was going to give us what we wanted and he's not here anymore. We had hoped. We didn't expect this. Like it's all falling apart. That's why we're walking down this road to nowhere. Nobody goes to Emmaus. We're just walking. This just happened to be a road that's on its way to Emmaus. So in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions, the other disciples, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. So you think at this point, they'd be like, so he's risen. But no, because it's, they couldn't expect that. They had a picture of how things were supposed to go. Resurrection never crossed their mind. We're going to talk about this especially on Easter. But it wasn't like all the women were around the tomb. Like, hey, guys, hold on. It's going to happen. Here we go. Five, four, three. They weren't prepared for that. Neither were these guys. And so when they hear this, they can't believe it because they can't imagine it. So as a, as a good God, you'd expect God to just pull up and be compassion and kind of pull them next, you know, put one arm here, one arm here. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry you're so bummed. That's not what he does. He calls them fools. Why would he call them fools? He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. could have come up, I don't, and it's all how he says it, right? That's why when you, when you want to talk about something important, you don't text it. When you want to talk about something important, you don't write the letter, you go face to face. So we don't know what this was like face to face. I doubt, because it doesn't fit in with Jesus' character all through scripture, that to his disciples he'd go, how foolish, morons. That doesn't fit, right? But can't you see, don't, don't you have good friends or family, and you see them doing something, and it doesn't make any sense, and you know they're going off track, and you're like, oh, that's not a smart thing to do. How foolish. Don't do that. How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He doesn't say, why aren't you believing the girls? Why aren't you believing the guys that went and checked it? He's saying, why aren't you believing what has been planned from the beginning? What I, Jesus, told you was going to happen from the beginning. And so then, what does he do? 
He says, well, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Had to suffer these things. When we're talking about expectations and going through difficult times and, and not getting what you want, Jesus knew from the beginning, this is what I'm going to have to go through to redeem my people. To draw them to me, I'm going to have to go and suffer. And then enter glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That would have been a good sermon. To be just sitting there as Jesus just takes you through all of the scriptures from the Old Testament and brings it all up to date and say, and remember when this happened? And remember when this happened? And remember when this happened? And later on they say, when we were walking, weren't our hearts burning inside of us? When he was explaining to us the scriptures. God's word, God, God's spirit mixes with his word and does things. That's what happened to my buddy Mitch. That's what happened and drew me to him. When you're in his word, that's what's going to happen. And so Jesus takes them along and starts explaining this to them. But still, at this point, they had their expectations. I mean, think about your life. Think about your unmet expectations. I mean, our unmet expectations are tough when it's our wife or our husband or our kids or our job. But it's really touchy when it comes to God. Because they dared to believe that this Jesus was the son of God. And not only was he going to do all this, but that he was God himself. And to have God let you down. I like what um, Shakespeare said. He said, expectation is the root of all heartache. Their heart was broken right now. And so this is my question for us. Are you like Cleopas and his friends? Are you lowering the bar so low? Are you dealing with your expectations and not looking for what God has promised? I mean, when I look at this situation, they're trusting their plan. They were settling for less. They were settling for the temporary Versus the eternal. They couldn't even imagine the resurrection. They could imagine the government changing, but they couldn't imagine the world changing. They could imagine what they could see, what they had experienced, but what about what they couldn't understand? I, I had my friend, my friend and I were talking about this one day, and he brought me back to when we were younger. And he was we were talking about God's expectation, what he has planned for us versus what we do. And we used to go surfing in San Diego, and when you're younger, you have no money. And so you'd go surfing, and you'd be starving. We'd walk up from Blacks, and we were so hungry. But they had these little donut holes at the liquor store. And we could buy them for a dollar ten. That's how often we bought it. I know exactly how much it cost. So I could steal that change from my dad's little thing in his truck. So I had money for that, and they were horrible. You know what I'm talking about? Like the kind that, they're, they're not really baked. It's not like you go to a donut shop and get them. I mean, they're in a box, and it has a little seal over the top. And these donut holes, I always got the powdered ones, which doesn't make any sense now because it just dries your whole mouth out. And you have white all over, and none of us walk around with water bottles back then. We'd just dehydrated all the time. So we'd eat these little donut holes. And so we have these expectations of what we want. And as we were talking about this, my buddy said, you know what it's like? It's like we want it so bad, 
and we just have our head down, and we've just got our eyes on that donut hole, and God's saying, put your eyes on me. Seek me. You're shooting too low. It's like the genie that gives you three wishes, and you always hear that people make all the dumbest wishes. You know genies aren't real, right? But you know of all the stories of like, oh, the three wishes, and I, and I want to I have big muscles. Really? You had the three big ones, and that's one of the dumb ones you chose? And when we talk about our plans and our expectations in life, it's as if God is saying, take your eyes off of the donut hole and look up at me. Make eye contact with me. Because when you do, if you raise your eyes, you're going to look behind him and see Krispy Kreme behind him. But it's not just Krispy Kreme. See, I didn't know this about Krispy Kreme. This is a little side note. I found out about the East Coast before it came here. And I was with these friends. We were talking about donuts. And we were talking about these donut holes that we stand there. They were so good. And then we had, but then I learned what real donuts were. And they kind of looked at each other. These are, I can't remember what state they were from, but it was way out there. And they said, well, you got your Krispy Kreme though, right? No. <gasps> what? Wait, just so I know, is anyone here not, okay, who here is, I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> who has had Krispy Kreme? Raise your hand. Okay, you had Krispy Kreme, but you don't really have Krispy Kreme. They explained to me. They said, no, we'll be driving down the road, and we'll see the the light goes on. I'm like, the light? Oh, yeah, this light. It says, hot now. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, what happens is, is, is they'll pull it right out of the oven, and then, boop, they hit the button. And they said, we'll be on the freeway, and we'll see that light. We're in the fast lane. Woof! And they will just go all the lanes over to hit that exit because they see that. So how many of you have had donuts right when the hot now sign goes off? Yeah, so a lot of you are missing out. It is a whole nother level. It says, if we have these plans and we're just, but I really need this job and I really need this money and can you pay this bill and I really want to get into this school and I really want my kids to do this and succeed at that and I want them to have this and that and I want and I want and I want and I want and I expect this and we're just staring at a donut hole. And God is saying, do you not trust me? Look at me. Seek me. Bing! Hot now. I've got a plan for you that blows away what you can imagine. Don't settle. I mean, when you think about it, you see these men, they're all bummed out because they didn't get what they had planned. And yet, God gives them beyond what they could ever imagine. Because when you release your expectations, you're free to see God as he truly is. You're able to see the world as it truly is instead of what you think he or the world should be like. God has an amazing plan. You, these, these disciples, they move on this transition of going from, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to, I didn't expect that. Have you had that in your life? I'm not saying you follow Christ and you walk around like, yeah, woo, that's not how it works. But there's this deep understanding as they move forward, everything's changed. I expected this, but God gave us beyond what we could expect. We couldn't imagine it, but that's how God is. He moves beyond us. So I don't know what you're dealing with now. I don't know what you have dealt, and I definitely don't know what you will deal with. And I don't know if God provided that difficulty and that suffering or if he's going to work through it. But I know this. 
Yes, I know, God, that he will do beyond what we could imagine. He gives us the hot now of life. We're in a season. I've shared a little bit briefly without the details for our family. And I'm like, wait, what's going on right now? Like, Lord, what? But I know, I know he's got us. I know he has a plan that's beyond what I can imagine. And it's not just, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to suffer. That doesn't mean that things aren't going to be difficult. But I know that what he has planned is beyond. And I'm not going to settle for the way I want things to work. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remember when Jesus said that? Jesus also said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. So they got up, and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And they said, it's true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Again, this is like a text or something written. I, I don't know how they explain it, but I'm banking on them having some dancing going on. I'm banking on them having their hands wide, lots of gesticulations in the air, grabbing the dudes by their beards. It's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They went around and told people. That's what followers of Jesus do. And you're inviting people into this, right? You don't have to have all the answers. You just share what you know. You need to not keep this inside. You're like, well, I don't want to mess it up. Hey, you will mess it up. But make sure that you inspire, you invite others, and let God take it from there. I mean, you are inviting people to Good Friday, right? You are inviting people to Easter. You are inviting people into your home. You are inviting them into your groups. You are inviting them to look at God's word with you, right? Like, we have to do this. We can't keep this good news to ourselves. So I want to close with this. I want to invite uh, the worship team up. By the way, doesn't it sound good when we're singing this morning? <laughs> so when they guide us in, the, in this music and in this, these prayers, you can either let their voices and this music just fall on you. You can treat it like a prayer. Or pray out loud. Sing out loud. No one here expects your voice to be good. That's not why we do it. They got the good voices. But we pray out loud. You sing with me. So I want to close with this passage from Proverbs and then pray for us. We can make our own plans. But the Lord gives the right answers. If you're able, if you're willing, if your heart allows it, um, stand. If you need to stay seated for whatever reason, physically or emotionally, do so. And I want to pray for us. Father God. We ask that you would give us the trust. Give us the eyes to look up. Give us the strength to look up. I think of the many unmet plans that I've had, including this. But I know that you can even take that mess and make it something beautiful.
I haven't fixed it yet, Lord. I'm still sad, and many of us are. But, Lord, our trust is in you. We know that you can make all things beautiful. And I can't wait for that day, Lord, where we can say about everything, wow, I didn't expect that. We surrender to you. we're going to do a couple songs and like Glib said you guys are free to sing along or just let it wash over you and meditate on the message I'm going to I'm going to pray for the offering real quick and then I'll be going by <clears throat> Lord I ask that you would give us wisdom as a church as to how to use the offering and we thank you for the opportunity to give it in Jesus name I pray amen uh, God has an infinite number of names and attributes but the, the definition I cling to the most when I think of God is that God is love. And um, when we read in scripture, there's many definitions of love. And I think the one that stands out the most to me is that love never fails. I don't know about you, but uh, my love fails every day. But God's love never fails. Um, we can go through many dark times and our human existence. Um, certainly for the disciples, this was the darkest time that they experienced. They had put all of their hopes and dreams into Jesus. They invested their lives in him, and all of that was devastated. But as the, there's a certain saying, I don't know if it's scientifically accurate, but it rings true to me that it's darkest before the dawn. And uh, I work in hospice, as I've said before, and I, I see that every day and what I do see is that God's love uh, manifests itself in the darkest places it was Jeremiah in his darkest days that said your mercies are new every morning now never was there a darker day in human history than the death of God's son but God's love never fails and he turned the darkest day in history into the most glorious day of all eternity. So it is for all of us who believe and receive and to say thank you. Heavenly Father, what a privilege to come to a loving God, especially in our darkest times. I just pray, Lord, you know um, every emotion we feel, every thought that we think, every experience that we're dealing with. And so, Lord, I just pray that you minister to every person here today if they're going through a difficult time, that uh, they would sense your new mercies and your great love and your redemption and would know and believe that you will turn our darkest times into glorious times if we trust in you. And so we thank you for this holy week that we're about to enter. I just pray that you would guide and lead us that we would uh, manifest your love, and Lord, that we in turn um, would be devoted again to you, turn whatever the things are that we're hanging on to into your hands, and trust in you that in your loving hands you will transform all things uh, into good, and uh, that we can trust you.
thank you for your love. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, manifest your love to the...